What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. From the Jill Schwartz Memorial Library here in the wilds of Connecticut, this is Obscure Season 2, Frankenstein. I am your host, your friend, your ear lover, literary mansplainer-in-chief and Georgianologist Michael E.N. Black. I said E.N. almost like it were were, uh, two initials, E.N. I don't know why I said it that way. It shan't happen again. Last time we met... I was in a state of agita, had been for several days. I am here to report that agita has not abated. There is tumult in my life. As I said earlier, whether it is good or bad remains to be seen, but uh, there is some tumult. It is all, uh, in terms of family and everything, everything's fine. No need to worry about, like, family or anything like that. I mean, any any tumult in my life is naturally going to involve my family, but our relationships ours are sound. Nothing like that. And I said I would have uh, news to report. When I had news to report, I do not have news to report. And also, I did not get some big job. Okay? That is not possible for me. These things don't happen to me anymore. But I have been in a heightened state for about a week now, week, week and a half. It has caused a lot of uh, anxiety, worry, uh, some, some, you know, some good feelings too. And again, I don't, I just don't have anything to report at this moment. Just know that if my tone is heightened, it is because of the agita, agita, agita that I am experiencing. For the first several days, one terrific byproduct of it was that I wasn't really eating. And I like when that happens, you know, because I eat too much. And just like a lot of people during this pandemic, I have been eating too much. Um, Don't get me wrong. I, I look, I still look terrific. But I know that 
I am uh, not feeling my best, nor am I, in all honesty, looking my best. But I did get a haircut this just yesterday. Mary, I got a haircut yesterday. Well, good for you, Michael. Good for you. So that was a small but noticeable improvement in my life when the haircut happens. And, you know, I wish I had more to say to you about about my life and uh, the tumult, but I'm just, you know, I'm just not ready. You know, because things are kind of up in the air. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Really don't. I sort of know what I'm doing, but I sort of don't. So it's causing me a lot of distress and good and good excitement too, and distress, mostly distress and good excitement too. All don't get me wrong, plenty of excitement, but mostly distress, but so much excitement. But really, when you get right down to it, uh, distress. And who else is feeling distress but our old friend, the big buddy, whose heart has been turned satanic through a series of misadventures, really just one misadventure that he undertook. It didn't go well, as you know. The De Lacy family has rejected him and moved out of the cottage, which served as his humble sanctuary, in a sense, for this past year, in which he really became educated in the ways of humans. Whether or not he considers himself one of our species is a little unclear, but I think perhaps he does not. Um, but he learned to read. He learned to speak French. He learned all about the human condition. And in the end, it was the human condition that betrayed him. All of his own optimism for the human condition was tossed out like so many rotten bananas. And so what do you do when somebody disappoints you? Well... You take a page from Lisa Left Eye Lopez and you burn that shit down. And that's what he did. He found out the family had moved. He gathered some bushes. He gathered some kindling. And he set fire to the house, uh, which once promised him sanctuary, at least in his mind. And everything has burned. And so now he has a plan. And the plan is to go to Geneva <laughs> and basically kill God. You know, he's, he, knows, he knows who Frankenstein is. He's got the notebook and he's decided he knows where Frankenstein is from. He's going to go there and he's going to confront his Lord and master and take him to account. Make him account for the wretch that he has wrought onto this earth. Last time we said you had mentioned Geneva as the name of your native town and towards this place. I resolved to proceed. We continue volume two, chapter eight of Frankenstein. Again, this is the big buddy speaking, but how was I to direct myself? I knew that I must travel in a southwesterly direction to reach my destination, but the sun was my only guide. I did not know the names of the towns that I was to pass through, nor could I ask information from a single human being, but I did not despair. From you only could I hope for succor, although towards you I felt no sentiment but that of hatred. 
unfeeling, heartless creator. You had endowed me with perceptions and passions and then cast me abroad in object for the scorn and horror of mankind. But on you only had I any claim for pity and redress, and from you I determined to seek that justice, which I vainly attempted to gain from any other being that wore the human form. Well, that raises the question, how is he going to get redress? I mean, pity, you know, I, you know, that and a subway token will get you to Times Square. You know what I mean? I mean, who cares about pity? What's that going to do for him? He's got no place to live. He's got no shoes to wear. The fuck did he get shoes, by the way? He must have like shack-sized feet. I, this, I don't even feel like this, this point was ever addressed. Was he, is he always barefoot? Like, what does he put on his feet? You know, shack, by the way, as we've discussed before, is only seven feet tall. Okay, and do you know what a devil of a time he has finding shoes? A devil of a time. Well, now we got an actual devil, uh, self-proclaimed, eight feet tall, 300 pounds plus, maybe 400 pounds, who knows? The hell does he get shoes? He learned a lot this last year. He didn't learn to cobble. I don't even know if he knows what a, what cobbler is. And in this case, I'm talking about George, a peach cobbler, because I am the Georgianologist. Big buddy, would you like a slice of warm peach cobbler? Mother made it fresh. We have heavy whipping cream with it. And some dolce de leche ice cream, if you like. So he's seeking out Frankenstein. My travels were long, and the sufferings I endured intense. It was late in autumn when I quitted the district where I had so long resided. I traveled only at night fearful of encountering the visage of a human being. Visage? Visage? Ugh. It's one of those words. Visage? I, I feel like, you know, is it pronounced like the horse people? Like dressage? Or is it visage? You know, it's just one of those words you never hear pronounced. So uh, let me crank up the old research machine. It's all cranking up. Let's see. Ooh, visage, I think is how it's pronounced. Let's see. Visage. 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 Well, there's a Z in there that I hadn't anticipated. Would you like a Z to go with your peach cobbler, big buddy? Mother made the Zs fresh last night when she was sleeping. Uh, it was late in autumn when I quitted the district where I'd so long resided, fearful of encountering the visage of a human being. Nature decayed around me, and the sun became heatless. Rain and snow poured around me. Mighty rivers were frozen. The surface of the earth was hard and chill and bare, and I found no shelter. That's a kind of Hemingway-esque sentence right there, isn't it? The Ken Burns Hemingway documentary just airing this past week, and boy, I had every intention of watching that. Oh, earth, how often did I imprecate curses on the cause of my being? The mildness of my nature had fled, and all within me was turned to gall and bitterness. The nearer I approached to your habitation, the more deeply did I feel the spirit of revenge enkindled in my heart. Snow fell, and the waters were hardened, but I rested not. A few incidents now and then directed me, and I possessed a map of the country. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? 
what do you, what do you mean? A few incidents now and then directed me, and I possessed a map of the country. Well, wh- well, where where did you get the map? I mean, you know, is he being uh, a little bit coy when he says a few incidents now and then directed me? Did he kill somebody for a map? Hard to say, but I mean. You know, there are there are times in my life where I, you know, I wouldn't kill I wouldn't kill somebody for a slice of mother's fresh cobbler. Just a just a hunk of mother's fresh peach cobbler. Buddy, would you like some? The agony of my feelings allowed me no respite. No incident occurred from which my rage and misery could not extract its food. But a circumstance that happened when I arrived on the confines of Switzerland, when the sun had recovered its warmth and the earth again began to look green, confirmed in an especial matter the bitterness and horror of my feelings. So he traveled right through the autumn, right through the winter, in, you know, the North Country up there. Germany, Switzerland, heading into the Alps. And, you know... How do you do that without shoes? There's kids who grow up, you know, they and they they get like six and a half feet tall, seven feet tall. How do they get shoes? You know, like like you know, one of these NBA guys, one of these big guys sends them their used shoes. Nobody has shoes for an eight foot person. I mean, am I stupid to harp on this? Probably. I generally rested during the day and traveled only when I was secured by night from the view of man. One morning, however. Finding that my path lay through a deep wood, I ventured to continue my journey after the sun had risen. The day, which was one of the first of spring, cheered even me by the loveliness of its sunshine and the balminess of the air. I felt emotions of gentleness and pleasure that had long appeared dead revive within me. Half surprised by the novelty of these sensations, I allowed myself to be borne away by them, and forgetting my solitude and deformity, dared to be happy. Soft tears again bedewed my cheeks, and I even raised my humid eyes with thankfulness towards the blessed sun, which bestowed such joy upon me. One of the themes that I think keeps recurring here is the idea of exile, right? Big Buddy, well, it starts with the dude, what's his name? The sailor dude, who is in self-imposed exile. Frankenstein himself is in exile. You know, first, well, he, I guess he travels to college in Ingolstadt. And then he is, when he returns to Geneva, he is, in a sense, in exile. From, you know, he is in exile from himself, basically. From at times his nature, from at times his crimes, but he cannot rest, he cannot ever be home to this point, and the big buddy also in self-imposed exile. This is a novel of fleeing and of being expelled from a home, either voluntarily or otherwise, but it may be that it is in our nature to go into some sort of exile. Maybe that's what Shelley's kind of getting at, that human nature itself is exilic. I don't know. Are we all in exile from our true natures, or are we all on a continual path towards our true natures, or is it the same thing? Two, two sides of the same coin, 
of the same subway token. That'll get you to Times Square. That and a subway token will get you to Times Square, Mary. Have some cobbler. All right, let's take a little break. Let me just stew in my own thoughts, thin as they may be. And we'll come back in a moment here on Obscure. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. What an eventful break that was. Maybe my first eventful break that I've ever had, just as I was uh, saying we're going to take a break. My, my phone was ringing. I had a FaceTime call from my wife, who was at home right now. She was with some friends. I said hello to them. It was very cheerful. And uh, I mean, it, it was a legitimate long break, probably 10, 15 minutes. I've, I've, been, on, I've been FaceTiming with friends and chit-chatting. They were just finishing up a dinner. It was a delight. It's a goddamn delight. I mean... You know, last time we were talking, I was talking about how you find what you know literature, and you, you open up a page, and then and then there's your life reflected back at you. Well, my own cheeks are are bedewed from having a nice little conversation there. So back to the book. I continued to wind among the paths of the wood until I came to its boundary, which was skirted by a deep and rapid river. This is the boundaries of uh, Switzerland into which many of the trees bent their branches, now budding with the fresh spring. Here I paused, not exactly knowing what path to pursue, when I heard the sound of voices that induced me to conceal myself under the shade of a cypress. I was scarcely hid when a young girl came running towards the spot where I was concealed, laughing as if she ran from someone in sport, she continued her course along the precipitous sides of the river when suddenly her foot slipped and she fell into the rapid stream. I rushed from my hiding place and with extreme labor from the force of the current saved her and dragged her to shore. She was senseless 
and I endeavored by every means in my power to restore animation when I was suddenly interrupted by the approach of a rustic, who was probably the person from whom she had playfully fled. Well, I guess we know where this is coming. We know where, oh, going, I should say. The rustic is going to see Big Buddy freak out and beat him with a stick. That's what, that's what always happens to the poor Big Buddy. Somebody comes along and beats him with a stick. And how would you like it if every time you showed your face, sticks were raised, fists were clenched, torches were burned? You'd hate it, wouldn't you? You'd hate it. And here he's just trying to do a good deed, and along comes a rustic. Let's just hear it out. Who was probably the person from whom she had playfully fled. On seeing me, he darted towards me, and tearing the girl from my arms, hastened towards the deeper parts of the wood. I followed speedily. Why? <laughs> Why would you do that? And then the very next sentence, next sentence is, I hardly knew why. Well, yeah, why would you do that? You know, the rustic comes along. He sees the eight-foot-tall big buddy bent over an unconscious woman. And, you know, you know, I don't care if you're a rustic or not. You know what two plus two equals. In this case, it does not equal four. But you understand why the rustic might be a little concerned. Uh, when, the, when the man saw me draw near, he aimed a gun, which he carried at my body and fired. I sank to the ground and my injurer with increased swiftness escaped into the wood. Huh. Is that, was that a common thing? Do you think, uh, carrying guns around there on the Swiss border back in the early 18th century? Is that something people did? Like what kind of gun was it? Was it one of those uh, pistolas, you know, with the curved handle and the and the bar and the two barrels and you, you need a flintlock and you keep it loaded? Like, I, it seems to me like gun technology wasn't it wasn't to the point where you're just walking around with a gun. Maybe it was a rifle, like a hunting rifle, in which case they were out hunting, but then the girl was running away. Seems weird to me that he had a gun. I'm not saying there's anything nefarious about it, but you know, Lord Lord knows how much I love guns here in America, but it seems weird to me. And then he gets shot winged as it were, because clearly the injuries were not fatal because he's telling us the story. But you got to think to yourself, well, the rustic did a good job. I mean, the rustic who had the gun with him the whole time got the girl away from what he perceived to be an assailant, never threatened the guy, just took the girl, ran. Then the assailant pursues, he raises the gun and fires. He, You know, classic, classic self-defense. This was then the reward of my benevolence. I had saved a human being from destruction, and as a recompense, I now writhed under the miserable pain of a wound which shattered the flesh and bone. The feelings of kindness and gentleness, which I had entertained but a few moments before, gave place to hellish rage and gnashing of teeth. Inflamed by pain, I vowed eternal hatred and vengeance to all mankind. Well, yeah, I mean, he did that before. But the agony of my wound overcame me. My pulses paused, and I fainted. I mean, I got to say, I'm not on the big buddy's side on this one, you know? Like, you've already made the mistake of, you know, putting yourself in situations that, that would easily appear indelicate to outside eyes, right? You're grabbing an old dude. You're, <laughs> you're, you're reanimating the corpse of a drowned woman. And yes, we understand the parallels there, reanimation. However, like, and then you give chase to the dude who's 
thinks he's saving her from you. I mean, you know, I don't think we can blame humans for all of this. You know, it's 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 like it's like Three's Company, where there's always just a little bit of a misunderstanding. And instead of it resulting in flirtations and sexual congress, it's resulting in gunshots and beatings with sticks, which somehow takes the comedy out of the situational comedy. And yet, I'm starting to find it increasingly funny. Well, here's the thing. Look, we know from uh, Jude the Obscure, I like it best when terrible things happen within bounds. I mean, there was, a, there was a point in Jude the Obscure where things got a little too terrible even for me. But, you know, the, fi- the story has finally picked up pace. The slack has kind of gone out of the rope a little bit. You know, some incidents occurred, now he has a map. That's all I need to know in that story. Uh, something happened, now I got a map, right? I feel like in the first hundred pages of this, we'd have to hear the whole backstory of the map maker, the cartographer who had etched the map and wrote letters to his beloved about it and the cartographer's assistant and their story and all the rest of it. I will say this, without knowing what happens next, of course, because I have no way of knowing, but it seems like this incident only reinforces a narrative that had already developed. I don't know that it's really advancing much of the story, because this exact story, this incident, is just a shortened version of everything that has happened to him before. I don't know that we needed to reinforce that idea that he gets a little hope and it gets dashed against the rocks. For some weeks, I led a miserable life in the woods, endeavoring to cure the wound which I had received. The ball had entered my shoulder, winged him, and I knew not whether it had remained there or passed through. At any rate, I had no means of extracting it. My sufferings were augmented also by the oppressive sense of the injustice and ingratitude of their infliction. My daily vows rose for revenge, a deep and deadly revenge, such as would alone compensate for the outrages and anguish I had endured. After some weeks, my wound healed, and I continued my journey. The labors I endured were no longer to be alleviated by the bright sun or gentle breezes of spring. All joy was but a mockery which insulted my desolate state and made me feel more painfully that I was not made for the enjoyment of pleasure. Yeah, welcome to the club, big buddy. Welcome to the club. But my toils now drew near a close, and in two months from this time, I reached the environs of Geneva. Well, I feel like that's as good a place to stop as any. You know, it's a little short, admittedly, but it's been longer for me because I had a I had a FaceTime. Um, it's a little short, admittedly, but it just seems like that's the natural stopping place. And you know, I don't even know how much there was left in the chapter. That was not the end of the chapter, but to hell with it. You know what I mean? To hell with it. Let's take, you know, we, we, you and I, we've been working so hard, low these many months, on obscure. Let's stop a little early today. Enjoy the outdoors because unlike Big Buddy, nature still has the ability to warm us and to make us feel better and whole and happy. There is an interesting theme developing about, you know, earlier I was talking about how we're running from our natures or running to our natures or whatever, whatever the hell it is we're doing. But there's also the idea of man being in conflict with nature. So Hardy was 
naturalistic in the sense that it, it was about the indifference of nature to us. This, I feel like, is more about how nature has a power over us, whether it is our, our own human nature or the natural world itself. And this book is filled with the natural world and how we are in conflict with it because of uh, what we are and I guess at times who we are. It is man trying to surmount nature. And nature, all nature is doing is saying, hey, 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 look, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm shining my sun on you, dude. Cheer up. Cheer up, my bro. But not to be. So we'll stop a little early. We'll all have uh, some celebratory hot tea. We'll enjoy whatever remains of the day uh, there are with you. And I will do the same with me. And uh, yeah, that's it. So that's it. You know, come back, come back uh, next time for another nature-defying episode of Obscure. But until then, I wish you adieu. Obscure Season 2 Frankenstein is produced by Robin Ling, Jennifer Brennan, Mary Shimkin, and myself here in the wilds of Connecticut where I record and elsewhere. Original music by Craig Wedgren. If you enjoy this podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts and drop in some stars for us. Why don't you write a kind review? Why don't you? It helps. How does it help? I have no idea, but it makes me feel good.